This episode of Awards Chatter is brought to you by Universal Television, presenting Girls 5 Eva. Girls 5 Eva follows a one-hit wonder 90s girl group who attempts a comeback while hilariously navigating family and relationships, plus the joys and pains of middle age. The show stars Sarah Bareilles, Renee Elise Goldsbury, Paula Pell, and Busy Phillips. Don't miss the series critics call the funniest show on television. Girls 5 Eva is now streaming on Netflix and is for your Emmy consideration for Outstanding Comedy Series and all other eligible categories. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the 520th episode of the Hollywood Reporter's Awards Chatter Podcast. I'm the host, Scott Feinberg, and my guest today is a tremendously gifted stage and screen actress who is equally at home in dramas, comedies, musicals, and everything in between. There's something about her and colors. Indeed, the two projects for which she is best known are the Netflix comedy-turned-drama series Orange is the New Black, on which she appeared from 2013 through 2019, with The Daily Beast calling her the breakout actress of the show, and the musical The Color Purple which she was a part of on Broadway from 2015 through 2017, resulting in a Grammy win and a Tony nomination, and to which she has returned for the film version that has been a huge hit since debuting in theaters on Christmas Day of 2023, and which has already brought her Best Supporting Actress Golden Globe and Critics' Choice Award nominations, with additional recognition likely to come. Danielle Brooks. Over the course of a conversation at the London West Hollywood Hotel, the 34-year-old and I discussed her journey from Greenville, South Carolina, to Juilliard, to fame, how her part on Orange is the New Black expanded from two episodes to series regular to show Steeler, and how The Color Purple first entered the picture for her during its fourth season, why she doubted herself even when she was simultaneously starring in and garnering massive acclaim for both of those productions, and how she felt years later when it was uncertain that she would be offered the chance to reprise her part in the big-screen adaptation of The Color Purple Musical, plus much more. And so without further ado, let's go to that conversation. Danielle Brooks, I'm very excited to get to have you on the podcast. I'm trying to think, I think it was early in Orange is New Black when I had the treat of doing a Q&A with you and all the ensemble, <laughs> the key ensemble. And I was just saying, as you came in the room, it's really amazing, but not surprising to see, you know, 10, 11 years. Like, yeah. I'm not, you, you were always going to go places, but this is, uh, this has been fun to watch. Thank you. It's been fun to be in it. Like, you're right. I was such a baby when Orange is New Black came out and I was so new, you know, a girl from South Carolina knew nothing yeah. about Hollywood and how I was going to fit into this world. And so I feel like the 10, 11 years has been a lot of growth, which I'm sure you've seen from the outside. No, but you you came in like, I think you were 
you were fully formed. You just needed the opportunity to, anyway, we'll get into all okay. this. Okay. But to go back, you sort of just alluded to this, but where specifically were you born and raised and what did your folks do for a living? Okay. So this is where it gets a little confusing. Born Augusta, Georgia. Okay. Raised South Carolina. Simpsonville, South Carolina, to be exact. I used to say Greenville because it's a city and everybody knows Greenville. Right. But I really come from a small town of Simpsonville. Got it. Yeah. And your folks? My mother's a minister and also a teacher. She teaches uh, fifth grade at the elementary school I attended. Oh, cool. And my daddy works at BMW, the plant there, moving parts, and he does all that kind of stuff. Nice. Well, okay, so... From what I understand, this all sort of started at six. Yes. Well, how does what happens at six where they're like, let's get let's get her on the on the racetrack? Because it seems like since then people knew you were going places. Yeah, six. It started in church. I did a church play. And I always have felt like church is very similar to the theater, which is where I really live. That's my world. But they're so similar. You know, you have the pastor who's like a director. You have the choir who's like the ensemble. You know, you have a playbill and you have a, a, a church program. You have the music, you know, for those musical theater people out there. You have the music, which is symbolic to me of musical theater. And and so you have all these moving parts. But at the end of the day, it's to make people feel something, to be changed, to be moved, to see themselves. And also, when you have the Bible, they're parables, they're stories, they're fables. So I just fell in love with the theater because of the church. And we did a lot of church plays, and I played baby girl at six years old. And everyone in church was telling my mom, she's so good. I literally had one line. Don't ask me what the line was. I don't remember. I had one line. Everybody loved it. And so from there on, my mom found all of these theater programs in my hometown to put me in. So I really do credit arts education for helping mold me. Well, it's interesting because there's different children's theater and local theater programs that you've spoken about, then a little bit of normal high school. Yep. And before we get to the- Go ahead, Scott. You know me. (laughs) Well, the the really amazing, I mean, like the the Juilliard before Juilliard will will come to, but first, your first exposure, this is where it starts, uh, one of many things where it starts to get almost eerie how things are kind of faded. What was your first exposure to New York. How did it come about and what did you do in New York? Oh my God. How did New York come about? So I was 15 years old and I had won this internship with Bravo. It was called Bravo on the Set. And they were taking like 10 to 20 kids to New York with a parent to teach us about how to make our own short films. And so me and my father went and we had some downtime and my dad took me to my first Broadway show. Now, at the time, there were only two black Broadway shows, which was The Lion King or The Color Purple. (laughs) (laughs) And my father chose The Color Purple. And thank God he did. I mean, I was 15 years old. And I was doing a lot of theater in, in Greenville, but just like, just rolling around acting like animals, like nothing major, like right. tipping my toe into Shakespeare. I didn't know anything. But when I saw 
the color purple. And I sat all the way in the mezzanine, high above, and I saw these two black girls in a tree singing, hey, sister, what you going to do? I was like, oh, my gosh. This is, I found my path. This is the path. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I got to make it to Broadway. I have to do this. And so cut to two years later, at 17 years old, I ended up attending Juilliard. Now, before actual Juilliard, there's a special program in your own yes. town, right? Which this probably, there wouldn't have been real Juilliard oh, without, no. right? So what would, <laughs> I mean, this is its own thing of like having to audition, right? And focus, and I think even boarding, right? Yes, we had to audition. I auditioned with a sonnet from Shakespeare and a poem from a guy who wrote poetry at my church because I did not even know what a monologue was. Yeah, yeah. And so I used this poem. I got into this governor's school. We lived on campus for two years. It was a class in the theater department. It was a class maybe of like 12 students or something like that. Only black girl in the class. And I am learning IPA, which is International Phonetic Alphabet. I'm learning what a monologue finally is, how to break down the text. We're having, you know, all of these guest artists come in, like Andre DeShields came in one time. And we're just, you know, I'm, I'm learning. I am soaking up everything. And... When I went there, I noticed that all of the Black girls that were coming up before me were getting into Juilliard. So that was Stacey Scott, which you all don't know yet, but she's amazing, Tiana Paris, and Nicole Bahari. And I was like, I don't know what Juilliard is. And at the time, I was calling it Juilliard because I had no <laughs> idea. I'm like, I don't know what Juilliard is, but I'm going to yeah. audition. Because at the time, Scott, I was so fearless at the time. It was like, you couldn't tell me. I had nothing to lose, nothing to lose. So I applied, ended up getting into Juilliard. Let's, let me pause you. Okay. Though. So, because you applied and then you... Your audition, yeah. you didn't go to New York, right? So they do this out of Chicago as well? That's where we start. So um, the high school takes all of the kids to um, something called Unified in Chicago, where you audition for all of the top theater schools. So Carnegie Mellon, Juilliard, NCSA, NYU, SCAD, all of them yeah. are there. And so, yeah, I've, I've applied um, or, or did that. And from then on, they call their favorites to New York. So out of all of the places you, people audition, New York, LA, Chicago, they only bring 40 to New York to do a two-day workshop to see who their final 18 is going to be because the school only accepts 18. So what did you audition with in Chicago? Oh, yes. I auditioned with <laughs> A Winner's Tale, Hermione, and The Piano Lesson. <laughs> Is, again, Wilson. <laughs> people need to know if they don't already know this is your second Broadway show, so it all just comes back around and around. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But okay, so let's 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 stick with these mind blowing stories. Who, yeah. when you're now, I think at this point, brought to New York for round two or whatever. Who did you I meet? Know where you're right? going? <laughs> who'd you who'd you meet there? So 
I'm there and I happen to meet a bunch of kids from all of these different cities, Atlanta, from everywhere, China, Iceland. We had people from New Jersey, but there happened to be this kid from D.C. And his name was Corey Hawkins. Also now in The Color Purple, uh, among many other things. But we got another one. You can't too. make this stuff no, you up. Can't, it's, it's, this is <laughs> this like is a script. Real. It would be rejected as a script. Yeah, I'd be like, nope. This uh, is too this weird, is, yeah. too far out. Okay, now there's another person there from Atlanta. Yes, there is another young woman from Atlanta. And I have to say this too, Scott, because my mindset really had to shift. Because when I was at the governor's school, being the only black girl in that particular uh, theater class, not the whole school, but the theater class, I did not see the potential of there being more than one black girl in the school at Juilliard in my class. And there happened to be a young woman named Joaquina Calacango, who has now become my best friend, who was also auditioning for Juilliard. And we happened to get in together. And that's when my mind opened up to, oh, my gosh, there can be more than one of us out here doing this thing. And she, by the way, will know, I think it was, was it the most recent or two Tonys ago? Uh, two Tonys uh, she ago now. Won. First, she blew the roof off the place with a let song. It, yeah, you know, you please, let, it, let it burn. Let it burn. And then, <laughs> then won a Tony. So uh, all three of you guys from that class of uh, Juilliard and probably others who I'm not as familiar with are, are doing great. But speaking of, though, that, that final stage of actually, so you go from Chicago to New York and then finding, you know, out what happens. First of all, who's Peaches? Oh, Lord. I didn't know if we were going to go there. (laughs) I did not know we were going to go there, Scott. So let me tell you about Peaches. When I was auditioning for Juilliard, we had, you know, the two days to make an impression. I missed the first day because the first day was a huge snowstorm. And so I was so scared. I was like, oh, my gosh, Mom, I don't know if I'm going to make it in. So the last It was like 20 of us who had missed the first day out of the 40. So they sent us all in the room. It was like, okay, introduce yourselves. Mm -hmm. So we introduced ourselves. And I was like, I got to make an impression. I got to let them know who I am. So instead of just sitting down like everyone else did, I stood up and I said, hey, y'all, my name is Peaches. And everybody was like laughing. What is this? (laughs) Who is this girl? And I immediately said, I'm just kidding. My name is Danielle Brooks, and I'm from Greenville, South Carolina. And that never left me. So the first year at Juilliard, everyone called me Peaches. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it worked. It did did its job. So uh, do you remember now, I guess you you go back from your audition in New York without—they don't give you the result there— No. So you're back in Greenville? Back in Greenville in my social studies class. And I see a number that says 917 on my phone. Because at this point, you know colleges are calling. Yeah. So I'm in that class learning whatever we're learning. And I look down and it starts to vibrate. And I immediately run out. And I ended up going into the boys' bathroom. Because that was the first one I saw. I was like, privacy, boys' bathroom. (laughs) And I ran in there, and it's Kathy Hood, 
the director of Juilliard Drama Division. And she's like, hi, Danielle, I'd love to welcome you to Group 40. And I ran around that campus <laughs> screaming, crying. I found my teachers. That's yep. the first thing I did. I found my teachers, and they were super excited. And I ran around the campus like, oh, my God, I got in. And everybody, because it's an art school, you have singers that do opera. You have dancers who are doing ballet. So they know what this is, and everyone was super excited for me. Awesome. Was, yeah, I'll never forget it. So you're at Juilliard from 07 to 11, 2011. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That means living in the big city, grinding. We've had other yeah. people on here. I think first class of Juilliard, I believe, ever was Patti LuPone. Yes. And, you know, talking about just, like, it can beat the hell out of you. Oh, yeah. How was it for, for you? Coming out of Juilliard. Well, even just being there, you know, was it, was it, oh. could you, could you call it enjoyable in the mm. moment or was it really just like, uh, like boot camp? It was boot camp. It was really hard to adjust to Juilliard for me because I was 17 and the oldest in my class of 18 students was 31. Oh, wow. So that's a huge age gap, right? And so there was a lot of doubt of, am I really ready for this? I even had a teacher at the time. Uh, not even a teacher, she was a director, guest director, say to me, you should take some time off because you need more life experience. Like, go to Africa or something and, like, go get some life experience. And that really stuck with me for a long time. But then I thought to myself, I said, but I'm living life. That is my life experience. Like, why do, like what do I have to do? Have this traumatic thing happen to me to have life experience? Like, I'm living it. Right. So I did not stop Juilliard, take time off. I continued. And it was challenging because they're teaching you how to talk and how to walk and Alexander technique and you're shaping your thoughts. But at the same time, I'm learning how to be a woman. I'm having these other experiences of dating for the first time and all of these things. So it was trippy. But what really got me, Scott, was I just loved the craft and I loved the play of it all. But then I realized there's a business side and I was not ready for the business side. So what was your first exposure to the business side and sort of Realizing that that you might have some learning there to do. Auditioning. Really? Because Juilliard teaches you how to be a better actor. It does not teach you how to audition. Any role that you get there is handed to you. You do not go through an audition process. So I get out into this big, bad world, and I'm now at Telsey's office, and I'm forgetting my lines because I'm so nervous. All of these things were just occurring because I was so scared of what was happening. There were so many new elements. Well, also, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know, does Juilliard do anything to specifically help with screen acting? No, and not at, when I was yeah, there. Yeah. I think now they're starting to. Okay. But when I was there, hell no, like <laughs> Sophia Because, <laughs> right. I mean, what you've talked about is that your first job, I think, out of Juilliard was a TV pilot. Mm-hmm. And you're there, and you know you're talking about forgetting lines and stuff. Oh this my was God. Scott, you got it right. Like you, you <laughs> this wh- is what how happened. are you? How are you supposed to know how to handle yourself where suddenly there's a camera in your face? Yeah, that's what happened. I would never forget. It was so embarrassing. So I'm in Telsey's office, which is another full circle because he also cast me in Color Purple. Oh, wow. Both of them, Bernie Telsey. Yeah. Bernie Telsey. Shout out to him. And so I was in that first audition for this pilot called Modern Love. 
And the character was supposed to like be gothic like. That's how they wrote her. But she was a secretary in the office, and like she, they said she had like I don't know piercings everywhere. And I tried to go in being that, and I will never forget. I put a piercing in my nose, a fake one. <laughs> and as I'm saying the lines, they start to fall out. <laughs> it started to fall out, <laughs> and it was just horrible. And I remember walking out of there, going to the bathroom looking myself in the mirror and I said, Danielle, you got to go back in there. You have to go back in there because you got to show Telsey that you can do this. And as soon as I walked out to go back in, Telsey came and found me. And he said, I know you're capable of more. I want you to go back in there and be yourself. And we're going to have you improv this thing. And I did. And I got the job. Oh, wow. So just it's so cool when you have people really believing in you and know what you're talented and capable of because Telsey at the time was um, coming in to help with auditions. Like he came in maybe two or three times to teach a class at with Juilliard, us at yeah, Juilliard. Yeah. And so he did get to see what I was capable of in a situation where it wasn't as much pressure. Right. And so, yeah, I just am grateful for people who like help you along the way. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great. Well, I think another person from Juilliard gets you your first uh, job in regional theater. All this, right? How do you know all of this? This is amazing. (laughs) Can I have you every time I do an interview? (laughs) Great. Well, I mean, it's you. Your story is is it really is amazing how all these pieces come back together. But in this case, you know, on the one hand, I'm sure a lot of people look at your your you know. Uh, timeline, and they must be like, damn, I'm jealous, because it looks like you just yeah. came out and were, and you, to some extent, there wasn't, like, years and years right, of, like, right. but I know in the moment it felt yeah. like a like a struggle, right? And I say, I'm glad you bring that up, because I, I used to say that, too, like, I always was like, this is taking forever to get a job, and then you talk to an actor who's been doing, like, the struggle thing for 10, 15 years, and you're like, oh, wow, I did kind of get this out of Juilliard, but there was a lot of sacrifices along oh, yeah. the way. Going to that governor's school, not getting to have a regular prom and do all the sports events. Like there was, we was in those rooms going over those monologues for hours, like yeah. a musician that spends eight to 10 hours a day working on their craft. That's what we were doing. And so to get to coming out of Juilliard, I did go through some struggle. I worked a lot of odd jobs, <laughs> you know, painting in Juilliard, you know, working in the International Center at Juilliard. All these weird, crazy a typist for an elderly woman. I worked at a restaurant called Fred's on 60-something Street. <laughs> like, I did everything yeah. to get to um, just have the wherewithal to pay for my Metro car yeah. to go to the yeah. auditions. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, we're here 
I don't know where we're going with this. Next, <laughs> with <but next laughs> well, believe it or not, it's another uh, weird Juilliard throwback because the first time you heard about something called Orange is the New Black was not because they had come to you, right? Well, they they did come to me as far as an audition. But they okay, did. but okay. So didn't you though help somebody else first? There was you mean in the audition? So one of your one of your classmates at Juilliard is Samira, Samira Wiley. Wiley played. Yes, Fuse. yes, yes. I understood it. Maybe I'm wrong, but like, so she was auditioning. Oh, I did help her. I got I helped her get her audition. And this was yeah. this before you even No, I had booked it. Oh, you'd already I had booked, booked okay. it. And I mean, I mean, I literally did like I don't even know if I started the episode, the first episode yet. But okay. I had just booked on. Okay. And so she hits me up after hearing it because you know, as Juilliard kids are close. Yeah. She's like, I have an audition for Poussey. Yeah. And I'm like, oh well, let's get together, let's yeah. go over it, because that's how what school we sure. come from. You know, when we gotta help each other. So I ended up helping her with her uh, audition, and she ended sure. up, yes. This is you and are Tasty and, and Pusey. And I mean, winning just, an Emmy later oh, for Handmaid's so Tale. And- but let's go back then, because now that I know that you were there even before that, what? how did you first hear about Orange? Oh, my gosh. So, see, this is throwback time, <laughs> because at the time, Netflix was um, considered a streaming news service. Yeah. Nobody knew what it was going to be. It was like a web series, people were calling right. it. Exactly. People didn't even want to use the word binging <laughs> at the time, which is all we do now. Yeah. And so I was actually doing um, some theater, regional theater, a servant of two masters, really excited about it. It paid my rent. I was like being a clown. I had a great time. And I get a call saying, hey, they want you to audition for this. And I was like, sure. It's only one or two episodes because literally I have the breakdown. The breakdown said one or two episodes. I'm like, great. I have two, three weeks off. I can go and maybe do this thing and go right back into the regional. And then I auditioned, and they, my team called me. It was like, Danielle, I think this is going to be way more than an episode or two. You have to decide, are you going to do this or not? And to be honest, I almost didn't take Orange is the New Black because I had to be in the script. It said that Tasty was topless for a shower scene. This is the first scene where we meet in the actual show. We eventually meet her and she says to she's in the shower with Taylor Schilling's yep. character and you got some TV titties you got some nice TV titties <laughs> now get out the shower yeah. and I, I thought yeah that I would have to expose of yeah. my bosoms yeah 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 and I did not but I remember going back to Kathy Hood going back to all of these casting directors Meg Simon just people I had met yeah. saying do you think this is going to mess up my career and they were like girl if you don't go take that job <laughs> <laughs> so I went and I did the job and it's changed my life well so I think though specifically the audition we should talk about because this is uh Jen Houston right is mm-hmm. casting this and you when you first go in there how much did, what did you, did you just have a side? Did you have some yeah. context about who this person was, Tasty? I 
remember getting a half a page of sides, which is what we talked about. It was, um, you got them nice TV titties. And <laughs> at the time, because I was so new to auditioning, I was bringing all of the things in. <laughs> like, I was the actor that had the towel. And, like, I came in with a towel. <laughs> I almost came in with a shower rod, but thank God I didn't do that. And I remember reading it and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm about to play a stereotype and I don't want to do that. And before I even started the lines, she said, Jen Houston said, Danielle, she's the light. Even though it's heavy, it's a prisoner, you know, she really has a lot of joy. And I was like... I think this is for me mm-hmm. because that's the direction I was already going to go with it. And so I did the take. She loved it. And a few days later, I had gotten the job. And, you know, you talked about asking casting directors if it was the right thing to do. But you also, so you mentioned mom's a yes, my minister. Yes, a minister. Did, was that a tough conversation? It was. My mom's a minister. My father's a deacon. And... My mom really at the time was like, don't take the job. She did not want me to. And, and you know, they come in from small towns. They're scared. They're baby girls out in big city doing this acting thing and thinking, what the heck? She's going to play an inmate now? And they wanted to show her titties. <laughs> like, it was a lot. Right. But my dad was the one to actually say, follow your heart. And so I did. And now... I think mom and dad are very happy. They're happy. You did yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, Genji Cohen, who was the creator and showrunner, has often spoken about, you know, if you looked at the key art or whatever for Orange is the New Black, you probably saw Taylor Schilling. Mm-hmm. And so this is your, you know, sort of, I think the way she said, like, yeah. you're pretty skinny blonde. Yeah. yeah. White blonde. Mm-hmm. Um but then she described it. I think this was the intention from day one. This is a Trojan horse is the way she put yes. it. This is going to allow us to get them to let us do a show where we can then tell the stories of a lot of people who don't fit that mm-hmm. stereotypical TV. You know, the one that that historically has been the center of a TV show ends up actually being just the way in. Mm-hmm. Um, for you early on, was that that was kind of clear that this was going to highlight i mean i guess it, here's here's the real question so you you start with the two episodes yeah how long did it take before you realized that your character was going to get expanded shoot well there was another juilliard person involved to mario and i'm so blanking on his last sure, sure, name sure. Um, that was a writer. Okay. There were two writers from Juilliard, if you want to start there. There were two writers yeah. from Juilliard that were a part of it as well. And I ended up hitting them up. Yeah. And they told me they believe it was going to be eight episodes of Tasty in it. They're going to expand it. So I was like, oh, snap. That that was my first way in. After that, I had no idea. I didn't know we were going to get to seven seasons. seasons. Yeah, yeah. What? I mean, you weren't even a, you were not made a regular until after season one, That's right? right. I was not till second season made a regular. And I think that helped to say, oh, okay, I guess I'm going to be here for a little yeah. while. And then they start taking you to do all the press tour. And you're like, okay. And you start hearing from fans that you're one of the favorites. I was like, okay, we're here. But I think the most exciting part was knowing like, 
we were being loved um, because we were just being yeah. ourselves. We did not have to go to work with spanks and tight clothes and wigs and makeup. We were just being yeah. who we are, and people fell in love with that. Totally. And that really opened my eyes to like, I'm enough in this industry. Yeah. Which I, when I was auditioning, you know, out of Julia, I really struggled with this. God, I was like, do I straighten my hair to be more attractive in people's eyes? Do I keep it curly? Do I gain weight so I can be more of the funny black woman? Or do I lose weight so I can be? come seem more attractive. I was so confused on what to do. So landing Orange is a New Black really helped to settle me into loving and knowing that me being me was enough in this industry. Totally. One question I had is in, you know, again, prior to that, you'd never had a consistent job on on screen acting, with screen acting. Mm -hmm. So with theater, you know from, from the minute the day starts exactly where your where your character is going, middle and end, right? No. Now on TV, you don't even know necessarily more than a couple episodes ahead of the audience, <laughs> and and your character. Just to to remind folks, I mean, we learn along the way about her her parents. Mm-hmm. We learn about uh, tragic things that happen to loved ones or all different things, which you couldn't have known. No, I mean and. Beyond the fact that you're not shooting in sequence like you would do a, a, a play in sequence or music. Yeah. So just how did you acclimate to the way to basically having to create a character without knowing where it's going? Yeah, it's such a good question. Uh, that was trippy for me because you're right. I was taught beginning, middle, and end being a theater girl. You knew what things were happening, but I did not know. And it's crazy because I came into Tasty with a whole bunch of backstory, who her parents were, what they did. And then I found out she was like adopted by V. Like she, so you had to throw all of that out of the window and really take it episode by episode. And you don't have as much time to explore the character as you do in theater, which was so cool of a skill to learn because I was like, we don't have time to waste. So bring your best foot forward in every decision that you make for the character. Don't waste time second guessing things. Just go balls to the walls. Yeah. I hope that's okay. Yeah, yeah, balls to the walls <laughs> with the character and, and your choices because that's what this world needs. That's what you have to do with TV. And so as I learned at Juilliard, like your work doesn't stop once you get the diploma, you still learn as you go on the job. And that's what this was for me, learning on the job. Now, I know you've said another thing that kind of you had to come around to fully grasping was that even though she is a very funny character at times, you can't play for the laughs. Mm -mm. So how does that, how do you navigate that? Being honest. Being honest, it's just, it's in your blood. I think I get my comedic chops from my dad. You know, he's so funny. And, you know, you can study Commedia dell'arte, which is the art of comedy. You can study that, which we did in school. Um, But, like, you just, it's got to be, you got to get it. This rhythm, it is, it's a skill to it. Uh, But some of it is just lived within your body. Some people just naturally aren't funny. 
And like, I happen to have that skill. Totally, totally. Now, you have said that it was significant to you that Pousset pursues Tasty. Mm. Why, as opposed to the other way around, why was that even symbolically important Mm. to you? Because being of bigger size, being a plus size girl, I feel like it's easy to say that we're the ones chasing someone or looking for love and wanting that to be desired. But sometimes, first of all, we are desired, (laughs) number one, (laughs) like number one. Um, But I just wanted that to be the narrative. Like, let's change this narrative up where Pousse falls in love with Tasty, this bigger, plus-size, curvaceous, dark skin, curly hair um, woman versus the other way around. I think that's a true narrative that is not exposed or talked about or explored enough. And I think it's more exciting to see that and witness that and to tell that story, which I really think we need more of, you know, more rom-coms and more, you know, whether it's sci-fi, whatever genre, um, to really expand our definition of beauty in this industry is a goal of mine through my work. And so anytime I get a chance to do that, which I've been able to do even with Peacemaker, you know, Adebayo's wife was fine. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. Thank you, James Gunn. So, yeah, it's important to me. That's great. And that was obviously a a relationship that became so central to the show and meant a lot to the viewers and was really at the at the core of some changes on that show when when the first few years of orange is the new black it i remember we covered it at, at mm. the emmys it was a comedy and then i think season 4 they recategorized it as a drama because and you know you can argue about these classifications i don't know you could it was always to me sort of a dramedy yeah. but the reason they did that i think was because we'll just you know, spoiler alert if you're still way the hell behind on Orange is the New Black, but just for, for you know, season four mm. ends with Pousset's murder in a, mm-hmm. in a, mm-hmm. during a peaceful protest. Season five picks up where Tasty, now Tasha, is leading the, kind of a, a prison riot, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. And then we come around to the fact where she is falsely, Tasha's, falsely accused of killing a guard and winds up being told that, or, you know, winds up having to face the rest of her life in prison. Now that is tonally very different in some way, I think, from where we started out with her cracking jokes. Dancing on tables and rapping. Right, (laughs) right, exactly, the rapping. And also though, you know, as, as I've read what you know, people wrote about it at the time and what I was thinking, you know, sort of you're watching the the light in her eyes, which I think is your natural default where you're vivacious and happy and you see that just sapped out of a person. Mm-hmm. So I guess I just wonder as as a, a final Orange is the New Black thing, for you, as you sort of read along and saw where they were taking your character and where this all led mm-hmm. up to that final series finale, which ends with you singing as well, Seasons. Remember the time we jumped in the lake Your black frame glasses fell right off of your face Just like kids, we were kissing Peter Piper tongues Twisted too tasty to let you go Seasons pass us by and we feel 
just what did you make of of it just objectively? And then what was it like for you personally to have to take this character in that very different direction than it started out in? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's full of so much goodness there. How do I start? Um, first of all, it's such a gift to get to bounce in between both, to get to show the comedy, but also get to show the deepness of pain and hurt that people go through, incarcerated people go through. And, you know, we were meeting incarcerated people as we were doing this, you know. And so you do truly 100% want to show the humanity of who these women were. Um, But, yeah, the, the depths of Tasty, I think the biggest thing that I learned from playing her um, was there's just the purpose, you know, of why we are here. Like, is what I really enjoyed about playing her was you see this woman continuously trying to find her joy in such the hardest place, a prison that she doesn't even need to belong there. She has no reason to belong there. But yet she's trying to climb her way out of it and and still does find a way to find purpose, even when she's now there wrongfully accused and is spending the rest of her life in prison. Um, And so I think that's what I've been gifted from her is like when you feel at your lowest, there's still a reason for living. Um, You know, we do this whole thing as actors. We get to these levels of of fame where we have voices, but then there's moments where you feel so small and you feel, will I ever get to, you know, be a voice for somebody or, you know, get to share all of myself so that people can relate to me and, and, and whatever that is. And then sometimes you realize, like, you affecting your community or your child, even if it's just one person, truly is going to make a difference in this world. And I feel like that's what I was taught with Tasty. And I just really kudos to the writers for, like, really going and and, and exploring these women in the heart and soul of who they are, which is who Tasty kind of became for the show was the heartbeat of the show. And so, um, yeah, that was the biggest gift to get to not know where this thing was going, but yet still get to showcase so much of what I can do as an artist, but also get to share the humanity of women that are incarcerated um, and make them relatable. It's amazing. And I think what, what's in some ways, if, if, you know, beyond what we are all, you know, what we all saw when we were streaming this in real time, you know, the performance itself is amazing. But then when you learn, as I did prepping for this, the, what was going on in your life at the same time. So, I mean, there were earlier seasons where I guess maybe it's during a hiatus or something, you go off and you do an episode or whatever of Girls. Yeah. Where you were the first time there. This was after they rightly got called for like, wait a minute, are there, there's no black people in New York uh, or whatever. (laughs) So you became the first uh, black female cast member of Girls. Then you play Aziz Ansari's agent on Master of None, Uh, you know, bits and pieces of things. But then 
at the very moment that we were just talking about where the where Orange is the New Black got really complicated, like around season four, I think, mm-hmm. is right when you now come around back to the color purple. Yeah. So now this is, for people who don't know, obviously it starts out as Alice Walker book, mm-hmm. 1985 film. And then they bring it, you know, as the, the musical that you saw, the musical version, then gets revived in 2015. And you, uh, this is for you to be in, basically, it's you making your Broadway debut alongside two other people making theirs, Cynthia Revo and Jennifer Hudson. And this is at the same time that you're going into season four of Orange. How was that even possible? Oh, my gosh, Scott. It was the <laughs> hardest thing. One time someone labeled me, a journalist labeled me the hardest working woman in showbiz yeah. at the time. Yeah. It was like the hours were insane. I was shooting Orange is a New Black in the morning. So it would be 4 or 5 a.m. calls. You go in, hair and makeup, do what you need to do till about 12. 12 o'clock, we go into rehearsals for Color Purple. That's in Times Square. So mind you, we're shooting um, Orange is a New Black in Queens. Go to rehearsals in Times Square till 12 to, say, maybe 5, take an hour-and-a-half, two-hour lunch break, and then go do a show for previews that night until 11. Greet all of the fans. Don't get home till 12, because I lived in Brooklyn, and do it all over the next day. Ugh. And so it was a lot. It was a lot. And, and the, head, the material of Orange is New Black and how much I was pulling the weight that season yeah. was the most I had ever done for Orange. Yeah. It was the heaviest material. Poussey dies, like you said, she starts this riot, all this stuff. So I was like memorizing crazy over here, working on the character of Tasty over here, and also prepping for my first Broadway show on the other side of town. And I still, to this day, don't really know how I did it because now that I'm in my 30s, I would never do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs that shit? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm a mom and a wife. <laughs> right, that's, right. that's enough. Right. That's another job. Yeah, There's exactly. two other jobs right there. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was the most thrilling time, though, because as an actor, like, that's what you want. You want to work. You want to tell stories. You want to, like, learn and expand your skill set. I was doing it all, tired as hell, but it was one of those moments that I would just forever be grateful that I got to do both. Now, you have said that the, it was, I think, in that time where you're, it would be understandable if this was just the result of exhaustion or whatever, but you've said that you really started to feel at that time what you've called imposter syndrome. Yeah. Which, by the way, has come up. I think it was like Jennifer Lawrence and a lot of people on this podcast who have been through really, really, you know, sudden fame in a sense. Oh, yeah. And I guess I wonder for you, though, because, you know, to me, on the one hand, I could see that being like, if ever there's a time to feel confidence that Netflix wants you at the same time. Broadway wants yeah. you and you're, you know, yeah, it's overwhelming, but you should feel good about yourself. Yeah. And yet you were, you were not? No, not at the time. It, so 
It was right when I had, and you said it too, let's go back. So you you did say about this instant fame thing, and you're right. Orange is the New, Orange is the new Black dropped in 13 hours. We became famous over 13 hours. I stepped outside and my world had changed. I am 22 years old. I am from a small town and now I'm like, my life's different. So that was a lot to process. So a few years later, get Color Purple and now I'm Tony nominated. And this is awesome. This is what we wanted. I'm so grateful for this moment. But now I'm like, how the heck did I get this moment? Am I really deserving of this moment? I start to doubt myself. I'm like, they're going to they're gonna find out I'm a fraud. They're going to find out that I'm actually not this talented and that they've got the wrong girl. And I was believing it was too good to be true. Can I just note, you're also hearing, from what I understand, because I remember, I think Jennifer Hudson was pretty close with Aretha Franklin. She comes to see you guys. Yes. She's gushing about your performance, yes. right? Like people like that. Every, that was the hot ticket. Everybody oh, came to see stars. it. Everybody came to see it from Octavia Spencer to, um, I want to say the Washingtons, Felicia Rashad. Um, the list goes on. And that's when you first crossed paths with Oprah. That's when I first crossed paths. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just that say, yeah, 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 yeah. That person. Oprah and maybe Steven Spielberg. I right, don't know. Right. Yeah. yeah, he came to see it, too. Oh, so how'd you get past that, that doubt? Oh, well, each character gives you a gift. And playing Sophia is what saved me because she is the strongest bird in that tree. And every night I sing a song called Hell No. And she says, all my life I had to fight. And that is literally what I had to do. I had to fight for myself. You know, in her situation, she's fighting to um, break generational curses and and fight for um, to be respected. But for me, my fight was internal. It was fighting every day to say, I am worthy of this moment. I'm not going to let this pass me by because of this self-doubt that I have. So I fought every day on that stage internally my own issues. And so I say that Sophia helped me to find my power. And then when I got the chance to play her again, she's helped me to own the power So now I can live in it and I've marinated in it and I believe it with all my being that when good things happen to me, I am deserving of those moments and I don't have to second guess them. No, it's totally, yeah. And we'll just note that in between your Color Purple experiences, so the first one, I guess, uh, December 2015 through, I think, January 2017, and then obviously uh, December 2023, at least, is when the public got to first see the film version. But in between that, just briefly get a note, because I know these were all important things when they're happening. 2019, Clemency, you're in there Mm. with Alfre Woodard. This is the movie that wins Sundance Grand Jury Award. You're, in this case, on the other side of a a prison uh, (laughs) window as the the ex-wife of an inmate. Um, There's the all-black cast of Much Ado About Nothing, Shakespeare in the Park, which was filmed for PBS Great great Performances. Mm -hmm. There's the piano lesson on Broadway uh, with 
the Jacksons, mm-hmm. Latonya Richardson and Samuel, uh, which again comes back to the part you played. But so we have many people have now seen a kind of viral video of of you being told by Oprah mm-hmm. that you were going to again play Sophia in the film version of The Color Purple. But it's also kind of hard to imagine that that ever would not have been the case. So my question to you is, <laughs> when you heard they're going to do a movie version of that, did you kind of think in the back of your head, like, are, I assume they're coming to me? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Right. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. But that was not the case. <laughs> and I had a good relationship with our wonderful producer, Scott Sanders. Yeah. And I would text him being like, hey, I heard y'all are doing it. And he just was not budging. <laughs> he was just like, "That's yeah, we're doing it. Yeah. He would not give me any like say of where they're going. So I really had to legit just do this the old, good old-fashioned audition way. And so um, my team was really on, you know, the pulse of what was going on. So my first thing was in March, uh, I think 2021, I had my first meeting with Blitz. And we talked for the director. Yep. And we talked for about an hour and some change about the character and who she was. And I have to say, Scott, it was, (laughs) at first, I couldn't believe I was going through the process like this. But I knew somewhere in my spirit, like, I am not going to let this miss me because of my ego. I cannot get in the way of my own blessing. So I met with Blitz. We talked. We vibed. And then a few months later, they asked me to put myself on tape to sing Hell No. That's what I'm like. Now, y'all know I won a Grammy with y'all. Like, I have a Grammy in my home (laughs) from the cast album, best cast album for a musical. And y'all want me to sing? Hell no. Okay, fine. I'm going to do it. And I did it. A few more weeks go by. I hear nothing. And a part of me is like, oh my gosh, what is happening? End up spending some time with James Gunn doing Peacemaker. And so I remember telling him while we're shooting, we had a second. And I said, James, I'm sorry to bring this to you. But he saw something was on my heart and was on my mind. I said, but I am in the process of auditioning for this movie, and I want it so bad. Mm -hmm. And I'm losing my faith that it's not going to happen. I said, do you think it would be okay to write the director? And he was like, yes. First of all, let's have a whole conversation about faith, which I was like, this is so cool. James Gunn is a real one. And we talked it out, and he said, go write Blitz. Wrote Blitz a letter. Nothing happened. <laughs> what was that? I missed. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> didn't no Sweet, confirmation. No confirmation. Oh man. Sweet letter. He oh. got it, but didn't hear nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and then a few weeks later, um, they asked me to do a chemistry read with Harpo, which happens to be Corey Hawkins, which happens to be my best friend for seventeen years. And I'm like, what is going on? Now, Corey had not been in the Broadway version. No, he's not been in any version. Right, 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 right. <laughs> he didn't spend a year on Broadway like None I did. None of these did. people, right? None of them did. <laughs> <laughs> but I did the chemistry yeah. read with him. It was phenomenal. Yeah. And then uh, that's when you see the video. Well, so was what, what the video, because just I'm trying to remember. So you were... 
thinking you were doing an interview or something? What was? Oh yes. So like, what? How did? Tell it. Take me through that. Yeah. So um, this process had been going on since March for six months. So we're now in September. And I'm like, what is going on? They want me to meet with the director once again. I mean, how many times yeah. do we need to talk? I, I'm, <laughs> at this point, I am starting to get exhausted yeah. by the process. But I'm like, I'm going to keep trucking. So they put me on the Zoom, and I see the assistant. He's like, we're just going to get Blitz on the line. Just give us one second. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. But then he starts small talking me. Yeah. And he's like, so how's the audition process been? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm about to turn. You know how you got that button <laughs> and you can mute and put it on black screen? Oh, right, right. I was about to do yeah. that and say, just call me when she's, yeah. he's ready. Yeah, yeah. But instead I said, no, I'm going to move with Grace. Yeah, yeah. And I talked to him and I told him, yeah, you know, it's been a process. <laughs> and all of a sudden... Boom! I turn my head and there's Oprah Winfrey and her name at the bottom. No, it don't even say her name. It says it still says Blitz, I think. Yeah. And it's her face yeah, yeah. in purple. And as you see, my heart drops. I had nothing else to do but put my hand to my chest to stop my heart from beating so fast. And she's like, I think she says Danielle or something like that. And I'm like. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't believe it. But I knew when I saw her face, I had gotten the job. And I knew at that moment, my life was about to change. My life was about to change. And it has. And I'm like, I still, like, when I tell you, Scott, like, First of all, God don't make no mistakes, as we have seen in my journey of life. It's been so many full circle moments. And at this point, I was thinking about it on the plane. I don't even think it's full circle. I think it's this infinity sign where it just keeps looping back around, looping back around. And you have to trust the universe is going to take you where you're supposed to go. But in the meantime, get ready. Get ready. Like, plant the seeds. And I feel like... Because God knows me so well. He's like, I need to plant the seeds for you. So I'm going to map out your life. I'm going to have you meet this young brother named Corey Hawkins. You're going to build this beautiful relationship with him. He's going to help you with your audition. You're going to study this role for a year of your life. You know, you're going to, even before that, you're going to feel like Seeley. I'm going to have you feel like Seely, where you feel unseen, where you feel unheard, where you need to, you know, you don't have the things that you think you need to survive. And I'm going to teach you that you do with this story. I'm going to teach you through your life experiences that you are enough. And so it's all of the things that I've been through have been the culmination of me getting to this place and I had to even go through the imposter syndrome to get to a place of comfortability where I'm sitting with Scott right now on a podcast <laughs> called Awards Chatter. What? <laughs> Awards Chatter? This is amazing. <laughs> I'm like, this is incredible. Well, it's... You know, because we can live in, you know, we can't live in actually tomorrow. We don't have yesterday. We got now. And right now, life is good. Life is life in the best way possible <laughs> to, like I said, be sitting here talking with you on awards chatter, having put in a lot of time and effort. And we talk, Scott, and we've shared a lot of the beautiful things, 
you know, all of the beautiful things that have happened, but there have been so many no's. Yeah. There have been so many minutes, moments in my life where I've had to wait and be patient. I did Emmys, Orange is the New Black, and I'm not crying because I'm pet. It's not pity party. It's a, a, a happy cry. Yeah. <laughs> but Orange is Black, seven seasons on that show. Not one Emmy nomination. That was very hard to understand. You know, that's okay because I understand now. That wasn't for me. Doing Tony's piano lesson didn't happen. Okay. I'm going to patiently wait because when I tell you we've seen it, we talked about it, the full circle moments that happen in my life, the infinity signs that happen, they happen for a reason. And so I will humbly stand still and wait because when I tell you when God writes the story, it's always so much better than I could have ever imagined for my life. Because even with auditioning for Broadway shows, there were so many Broadway shows I auditioned for before getting Color Purple and so many tears lost in me wondering why until you get it. And if you'd gotten one of those, maybe you wouldn't have been able to do the Color Purple. this wouldn't even been the story. We wouldn't even be talking about this. Well, and also, you know, the, the thing is, for the movie to happen when it did, your life today is very different than it was when you were doing the show on Broadway. Yeah. I would imagine you probably understand this character a lot better than you could have whatever it was uh, eight, nine years yeah, ago. Yeah, almost 10 years ago. Yeah. So, like, you know, there is a, a, a some logic or whatever to it happening now. I mean, yeah. you like you said, you're now— um, uh, a wife, a mother, yeah. um, things that probably help you to understand her in a different way. Mm-hmm. Wholeheartedly. Like, I understand commitment so much stronger in, in the relationship between Harpo and Sophia because I've committed my life to somebody and I know what it is to want to continue that relationship and, and not have these generational curses happen where, you know, keep trying to keep Black love alive. I get it now. I get what it is to have a child, a black child in this world and try to navigate and be the best mother you can be. And and as we talked about having to say hell no and what my fight looks like is much different than what my fight was in 2015. Yeah. 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 Um, and doing the, you know, in some ways, the same motions or whatever, the same scenes that you did on stage, but now, I guess, out in largely Savannah, mm-hmm. Georgia, or, you know, out in kind of, you know, they talk about opening up a show to the real world. Now, you know, did you did you find that just uh, actually, you know, doing a musical on the scale of a movie, wh- how, how was it different from the way you'd done it years ago? So much different because what people don't realize is when you do a theater gig, Broadway, once you do previews and you open that show, that show is locked, period. You don't really see the director that much anymore. You don't see the director at all anymore, really. And and the stage manager becomes the director. And and his his or her main job is to keep that show the same. Mm -hmm. So any ideas you get, any new sparks from... A line you've heard differently, anything, you cannot change it. And so that really was stifling for me in a lot of ways 
But also it helped because doing a show eight shows a week, mm-hmm. mind you, there's only seven days in a week. But yes, anyway. Yes. <laughs> they make it yeah, we work. work. Yeah. <laughs> but doing eight shows a week, you really get to um be so specific and and you get to really mold the character and the audience helps you with that because they tell you right away what ain't working and what is working. So that was really cool. But then coming into the film and now I have all of the elements, I get to use all my five senses and I get, I have new actors. So they have a different take on things. And, and now I'm in Sophia and Harpo's home and I get to see what the quilts look like and I feel you know the pan in my hand I get to grab a pan when I'm singing hell no the it's just a whole It'll different sell. the jail cell I'm in an actual jail cell I actually have a white mob around me versus everyone watching me use my imagination I get to explore those things and the type of actor I am I am a detailed actor yeah. like you know I like to really get into the words like people I've been talking a lot of lately about when I the way I say respect yeah. <laughs> you know I'm going to find every syllable you know I'm going to play with every thing that I get and so that's been so much fun and I have to give a lot of credit to Blitz too our director for giving us the freedom to really bring our all of our artistic self to the role and not stifle that do you remember I mean I'm sure you remember but where was it that you first saw the film? Ooh. To be honest, I really don't remember that nope. well. It's been a while. Because in our culture, black folk, it's everywhere. Oh, I don't even mean the 85 one. Oh, okay. I'm okay. saying you're. <laughs> but that is true. <laughs> you're watching it Christmas. This <laughs> one's everywhere, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but this one, like, so you you finish your work. You go home, somebody spends months, you know, yeah. with Blitz and his editor or whatever. Where did, when did he show it to you guys or to you specifically so, for the first time? Miss Oprah kept saying, you need to see it. And I was <laughs> like, no, I'm waiting until Christmas. Like yeah. everybody else. She was like, why? I was like, because I'm not ready yet. Because <laughs> I really think I had heard a lot of buzz about my performance already from editors or from just people involved who had seen it. And I was starting to be like, I don't know if I'm ready for all of this, you know. And so we ended up going to the Academy and watching it, a private screening of it with myself, Fantasia Taraji, her, a small group of people. And I remember sitting actually away from the girls because I knew I was going to be an emotional wreck. (laughs) (laughs) And I wanted to kind of like go through all of the feelings and emotions kind of by myself. Um, and experience it without like this influence of feeling everyone else. So I wept a lot, Scott, to see my name up there first. Then I saw my face and I heard my voice and I was like, that's me. Like this little girl inside of me that's like 10 years old and, you know, doing, going to arts um educational programs running around acting like frogs and stuff <laughs> i could not believe that was my face my voice my name on that screen and doing a damn good job yeah, exactly <laughs> because your name face and everything could be up there it but could it be might bad. Not be- yeah 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 doesn't mean it's good yeah 
Well, and I mean, I guess, well, sorry, let me let you finish. So that oh, was Oh, no, your, that was, yeah. Well, probably not that long after you saw it, you know, other people got to see it. And uh, I have found it really uh, cool to watch. And I'm sure it's even cooler to experience where at the end of these many screenings from the premiere forward, when they, you know, do a Q&A or whatever afterwards and they int- they do the roll call and you guys come out, I mean... It's something to see. Mm-hmm. People go mm-hmm. very wild for a lot of these folks, but you they you have the most enthusiastic response each time. I mean, people yeah. that that is quite a and this is a talented group of people and mm-hmm. but they there's something about the character and you and the way you played her and you know, maybe connecting it back also to that you're stepping into Oprah's mm-hmm. shoes before it was a musical and now Oprah's here championing you and it's again all this whole full circle thing but it's just uh you know as a final thing just here we are second day of 2024 when we're speaking um a lot of exciting things have already happened you're gonna be going on uh what is it sunday to the golden globes as a nominee uh the following sunday to the critics choice awards as a nominee in a fair world, there will be many more things after that. But just take, you know, as a time capsule, January 2nd, 2024, uh, what's your kind of outlook at the moment? How are you feeling? Mm. And uh, maybe we'll listen back to this in a few years. But what's this yeah, moment like for you? I love it. Time capsule moment, January 2nd, 2024. I'm sitting here with Scott who his face is so vibrant and who I feel like so much love and joy and passion in what you do. I'm sitting across from you with some water (laughs) and outside the London and I'm sitting with this hoodie that I got from 2015 when I was in the color purple, coming off a plane, leaving my daughter and my husband for four months because I get the opportunity to live my dream. And I get to go and hopefully, not even hopefully, already have received so many flowers and so much love. And then I get to go do an incredible movie call Minecraft and be silly with Jason Momoa and Jack Black. I'm like living my dream. And yes, I pray to have that big gun in my hand. (laughs) The big, big boy. But even if I don't, I have so much to be grateful for. And I name all of those things because it's so important. I'm learning to live in the moment, to live in what you have now. Tomorrow is not promised at all. And so what I have now is my health, my family, a great job, jobs that I enjoy. I have a wonderful team that has been supporting me and lifting me up during this time. And I have had this great conversation with you. And I thank you for that. I thank you for letting me get to express and get to show more of myself and let the world know who I am. 
thank you for that. It's my pleasure. You're the best. It's been so fun to watch you uh, along the way, and I know we're just getting started. So just get us started. Keep it coming. <laughs> it's been fun. It's been fun. You're the best. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Girl, child ain't safe in the family means. Sick and tired, how a woman still live like a slave. Thanks for listening to Awards Chatter. We really appreciate it and would really appreciate you taking just a minute more to subscribe to the podcast and to leave us a rating and review on your podcast app. And to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, where our handle is at Awards Chatter. On those platforms, we announce upcoming guests and provide details about special live recordings of the podcast that you can attend. Until next time, thanks again for tuning in.